Yes, I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of Crosscut Maker Podcast, which is basically a prophecy or eschatology update. Uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, it hasn't been as long as usual. I have been waiting like three to four weeks uh, between podcasts. But, it had, well, I guess it has been almost three uh, since I did my last one on August 7th. And obviously... Uh, and pretty much just a brief introduction you know I have a, a ministry in general and most of it is on social media you can find me there at Crosscut Maker uh, pretty much on most platforms and I do a lot of gospel outreach and I do topical theology things like that I also have a website crosscutcommentaries.simplesite.com that's where kind of every, all the all my writings are condensed and uh but for the most part with podcasts i used to do topical theology podcasts and other things but over the past uh, i guess it's been a year and a half now pretty much since covid hit i've dedicated the podcast more to eschatology and not only that but how current events appear to be pointing us very clearly that we are towards the very 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 end of the age and the tribulation period is right around the corner and but if you want to see that the summary form of that I have at a website called eoa-indicators.simplesite.com. That's where it all kind of summarizes, and I do update that periodically when something significant happens. I have kind of like eight categories there, underneath eight signs that I believe are very clear that we are approaching the tribulation period, and you can check that out there. But on the podcast, I pretty much just do. Uh, just seeing things happen in the news and how it would relate in particular to uh, prophecy and you know setting basically tribulation stage setting and I repeat this all the time nobody knows the day of the beginning of the end which in my opinion the official beginning day of the beginning of the end will be the day of the rapture of the church the removal of all true Christians uh, born-again Christians would be glorified and taken up to be with Christ. I think it's very clearly scriptural. Now the timing of it, we can argue with, but I, I am pre-trib, and so I believe that is the imminent next event. And when I mean when I mean imminent, I mean it is uh, without signs. Um, so there's no way to know that day. And Jesus Himself says nobody knows the hour or the day. So anybody who ever sets a date for the rapture of the church, you should not listen to almost anything else they have to say because. Uh, that's a clear, clear command of Scripture. So what I'm doing is never, and I never will, nor have I ever, uh, said, all right, it's going to happen on this day, or all right, it's going to happen in this month, or it's going to happen in this year, because I don't know. But what I do think you can see, and this is what I've been, I've been interested for uh, about two years now, and COVID, of course, you know, that really kind of accelerated everything forward into really believing that God is the birth pangs towards the tribulation period are increasing and I'm more convinced I say this pretty much every podcast but I'll say it again because I am absolutely more convinced from the last time I did a podcast three weeks ago that we are approaching we have to be getting close to the to the tribulation period because we, it, everything is just accelerating more and more and just when you think you got a little bit of relief or a little bit of normalcy like with COVID, for example, a couple months ago, it seemed like the vaccines were kicking in and that actually might be an issue that would be resolved. But of course, 
we know now that it's the Delta variant has changed everything and pretty much is like it was, if not worse than when COVID first hit. And now all mask mandates and all these other things are coming back into play. Which again, if this is the end of the age, it shouldn't be surprising because things, I, one of the things I say common very frequently is things will not be turning around. If, we, if these are birth pangs, they, birth pangs don't turn around. They just it, it increase. It doesn't stay the same. It doesn't turn back around. It goes, intensifies. And if you just look at the world news, and if you just look at the world, I don't think anybody would argue that things are highly strange at best. I mean, you, the, people, most even unbelievers realize the world is radically different than it was two years ago. But that's even that isn't necessarily uh, an indicator that we're approaching the end of the age because there has been times in human history when it has been worse than it has been right now on a, on a global scale, like say during the Spanish flu or World War One, World War Two. You know, there's been time periods, chunks of time periods, where it has been worse in a, in a kind of a snapshot. But a couple things is we have a progression going on here. It's going from bad to worse, and it has. And there are some, in some regards, most a lot of people would say that we are worse than ever in some regards. But then, like I said, on some other levels, on some other issues, we're not as bad as we were at particular times in human history. But the difference is this: is that there are biblical indicators. There are things that happen in the tribulation period that are clear. And those things are converging. So that's when that started getting my attention, not just a couple years ago, really. I'd say for the past 10 years or so. But much more increasingly over the past two or three years. And those issues are this. These are, these are things that Scripture, that have to happen in order for the tribulation period to happen. Or these things happen in the tribulation period and these things don't happen overnight. And so you would see the build-up to these things. And number one, this is something you, you can find on my website if you're looking for a little more detail on the summary. But number one is that Israel is a nation. So you can't have you can't have the tribulation period until you have Israel as a nation because the tribulation period is called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's about it's about Israel. It's about purging Israel to the believing remnant. And uh, and obviously Israel's a nation and have been since nineteen forty eight. Number two, Israel involved in a significant peace process. Okay, that has never been more true than it is right now. You have the Abraham Accords, you have the uh, Gaza conflict a couple months in May that caused a really significant increase in the desire for somebody to solve the Middle East peace or to have peace in the Middle East. Now, of course, you have the Iran issue as well, where they, I mean, that is all but uh, Israel and Iran are, you know, all but at war. They are at war in a, in a kind of a proxy kind of way. But we're talking about direct war because as soon as Israel believes that Iran is imminent to the to a, new, a nuclear or atomic bomb, they will attack Iran. And so you have that issue. That's probably the biggest issue in the Middle East right now. And of course you have the uh, I mentioned the Abraham Accords, but the Palestinian uh, issue has been brought back up, and we kind of went over that uh, last podcast or the one before that. But you have this really significant interest in Middle East peace. And, of course, what we're going to talk about today is obviously the big elephant in the room is Afghanistan, what happened, what has happened over the past couple of weeks there. But that's super sign number two, is Israel is a, one, is Israel as a nation, two, Israel is involved in a significant peace process. Why does that matter? Because the tribulation period is triggered 
by a peace agreement, a seven-year peace agreement involving Israel. So you have to have Israel, and you have you will have a. And it's not just a little little peace agreement. This is a many. There's many involved in this uh, peace agreement that triggers the tribulation period, which is why I think it has to be kind of a, a wrap. It'll wrap all up. It'll wrap up the uh, Iranian issue, the Abraham Accords, the Palestine. Everything will come into one, and every, somebody will think a man has solved all these problems because the Antichrist is the one who makes the seven-year peace agreement involving Israel which triggers the tribulation period. That, that's what begins the tribulation period. Rapture doesn't begin the tribulation period. Seven-year peace agreement involving Israel does. And so you see Israel very involved in a peace process. It's, it's even more so than you would see reported because most of these negotiations are going on behind closed doors. Number three, a strong surge for global governance. Now, of course, this is where COVID-19 really uh, comes into play where there have been globalists for many years, decades, you know, decades upon decades, where people who believe that the world should be ruled globally, there should no longer be nations, it should be just a global rule. Of course, that's a bad idea biblically because nations are a common grace of God <clears throat> that are given to restrain evil, to keep evil from being concentrated, which is, of course, what happens in the tribulation period. And so, but COVID has given the globalists the perfect opportunity to advance global governance, and it has been. And what another couple of significant, well, I think the most significant, one of very significant thing that happened was when Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden because Donald Trump was an anti-globalist. He was a pro-nationalist leader, and obviously he was, as president, the most powerful man in the world. And so he was kind of a big roadblock to globalism. But since, obviously, he's out of office now, and Biden, who is in, and that whole leftist group, is a, there are globalist thinkers, for sure, that you have this surge going forward. And, of course, we can talk about the great reset of uh, the World Economic Forum. You know, the Pope talks about global, or, uh, global solutions to gro global problems. And it's just a whole attitude of, we have a global crisis, COVID, so we need a global response to that. So the, the global government, globalist issue has highly pressed forward since COVID. Uh, number four, I push for one unified religion. Now, again, I just mentioned the Pope. This is, he is absolutely pinnacle in this. He has been, and this isn't just, this has been over the past decade or two. It's, I mean, ecumenism has been going on as long as the world's been here. It kind of began in Babylon. But, uh, and so over the years, there's always been desires for, you know, false Christianity to unify with other religions. And, but it seems to me, over the past two or three decades, the push for ecumenical unity is then increased. Now again, so when you hear, oh, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with ecumenical unity? Like everybody getting along. Well, we're not talking about everybody getting along. Like Christians, you don't kill Jews. Jews, you don't kill Christians and things like that. We're talking about spiritual unity, which, of course, from a biblical perspective, you're, a Christian is not to have spiritual unity with false religions. And every religion outside of true biblical Christianity is a false religion. And that includes Judaism. It includes, actually, Catholicism. That includes Islam. That includes Hinduism. That includes any religion that denies the deity of Christ and and trust totally in his finished work for salvation is a false religion. 
But anyway, so you have the Pope pushing for this, and there's videos on YouTube that are almost staggering to see the uh, efforts being made there and the advancements being made. He signed several uh, agreements with Islamic leaders, and he's, he again, Catholicism, so when I'm talking about the Pope, I'm not talking about Christianity, I'm talking about Catholicism. There is a really a strong push for this unified religion. Again, I think a lot of these things will come to full fruition after the rapture. That kind of triggers, that kind of sets the environment for everything to get wrapped up into one. Number five, Russia, Turkey, and Iran growing in power, forming alliances, and showing aggression towards Israel. These are the big three in the Ezekiel 38-39 invasion of the latter days. And you see this is becoming more and more clear by the day. And we will talk about some of that later here in just a little bit. Uh, and number six, the necessary technology. In order for a person and a government to rule the world, you have to have the necessary technology. In order for the, the beast to enforce the mark of the beast, he has to have the necessary technology. And there's other prophecies in the book of Revelation that would seem to need, you know, global... The, the access or the ability for things to be seen globally. Of course, we've had television for a long time, but now the technology has absolutely exploded over the past 20 years to, to the point where it's mind-boggling. But, but we certainly have the necessary technology to fulfill a lot of the Revelation prophecies that up until this technological advancement, you could have had a very difficult time understanding how these some of these prophecies would be fulfilled and then finally i said eight i have seven finally a renewed interest by the jewish people for the third temple to be built and so the reason that is that's a might be the top sign obviously you have to have israel as a nation and then you have israel involved in a peace agreement but the temple there will be a third temple built either It'll be fully built, fully functional by the midpoint of the tribulation period. I've always thought, said this many times, that I think probably will be part of the tribulation agreement. There won't be a temple at the very beginning of the tribulation. That'll be part of the agreement. They build it wrap or pretty quickly, and they begin animal sacrifices again. And at the midpoint is when we know for sure because the Antichrist will turn on Israel, claim himself to be God, sit in the third temple, cut off the animal sacrifices, and, and demand the world worship him. And he will uh, be seated, he'll seat himself in the Holy of Holies in the third temple. So we know there's an actual physical temple, and that is, if you just want to look into that a little bit more, look into the Temple Institute, you just Google those words, and you'll see that they're very serious, very serious about building the third temple. And so those are the seven super signs I call. And the reason, like I said, I, we don't know the day or the hour of the rapture that would, I think, create the environment that would wrap all of these things up. That would be an accelerant that adds all of these things built going forward to actually culminate in the tribulation agreement. Um, but we still, you can see the things that would happen after the rapture being uh, progressed to. And you'd almost need to, because again, this wouldn't happen in a vacuum. You know, these things don't just come out of nowhere. You have to have these things over time converging, and they are all converging right now. So that's just a broad summary. Now we'll get to, briefly, so, you know, it's been three weeks. And of course, Afghanistan, the things that have been going on in current events that would possibly tie into eschatology, biblical 
prophecies being fulfilled in the future. One of those, obviously, is the is Afghanistan and what happened there, where basically the Taliban overran and took over the entire country in about two weeks. Or I guess it's taken longer than that, but over the last two weeks they really accelerated. And you know, of course, the United States announced they were going to withdraw, which Trump had already agreed to that, and Biden went along with that as well. And he, and so it was just a catastrophe what happened, how fast they overran uh, the uh, Afghan military that the United States had spent two decades building up. And I'll just say this, I'm certainly not a friend of the uh, President Biden's or the Democratic Party or the left. Okay, I'll just say that. I, I try not to be too political because the, the, the problems, the solutions to the problems of the world are not Republican either. They're Jesus Christ is the solution. God and the gospel, those are the solutions to the heart of people. And it's the only hope is Christ's return. So I'm not saying, well, if we just get the Republicans elected, then the world would be a better place. And that's not true either. I mean, it might be a little better, but regardless, my point is I don't, I certainly don't lean left, put it that way. But I also don't think you can, you can put everything on Afghanistan on Biden. I almost feel like he's, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not crying over the fact that he's getting criticized because I think he should be criticized for other things. But ultimately, we've been there for two decades. And as soon as we withdraw, now maybe the withdrawal was done improperly. That would be my guess, is that it was just done too fast in a, in a way that was not uh, thought through properly and it caused and, ex and really exacerbated the problem. But in the big picture, I think you spend two decades there training the military and, and, and their, you know, training their people to be able to defend their own country. And it doesn't take long once you just once after two decades that you pull out that these people, many of them, didn't even fight. They just they just fled or gave up. They didn't, you know. There was no, I don't know the numbers or if there was no hope and they that have been suicide to do that. I don't know. But you think after two decades that how much more could we do? How you know how many more years would it have taken? If I mean, you just think after two decades it happened this fast that it was just something that was an impossible task to do over there. So I don't think Biden can be blamed totally for this. I don't think, obviously, it's just, it's just the nature of the world and sinfulness and that region and the way they think. And and like I said, maybe the withdrawal was done improperly and that just led to worse things. But I have a hard time believing even if the withdrawal would have been done perfectly timed. At the very second everybody's gone, the same thing wouldn't have happened. But still, it was really, really incredible to watch. But how it would fit into biblical prophecy is Afghanistan is recognized as part of Magog of the Ezekiel 38-39 invasion. And so, obviously, they was, this would put them in a much more aggressive position towards Israel, the Taliban is, than the government that would have been in place had the Taliban not taken over. So I think that's a significant prophetic element of this. Obviously, and they also emboldened, has emboldened, emboldened Islam. You know, they've seen what happened, and it does look like the Taliban just pretty much ran the United States out of the country, which is quite an incredible thing. So it does look like they are, they have the momentum, and that it really has emboldened the uh, Islamic states. And so that's going to create more aggression. 
and it's probably going to make them more bold. And again, eventually, they, these Islamic nations will invade Israel. They absolutely will, including Russia, including Turkey, including Iran, including Afghanistan, including, there's several others, Libya, Sudan. And there's going to be, and this will be an overwhelming invasion. I think that happens in the tribulation period. But, so Afghanistan is a piece of that, and so it makes more sense that they would be eventually led by somebody who would be aggressive towards Israel. So that was the big thing that happened. Um, and also part of the Afghanistan thing, and again, I'm not going to defend President Biden. I don't, I'm not a fan of anything that he believes in, in his policies. Um, again, he, I don't know, he has taken a beating for this, uh, even from the leftist media it's impossible to ignore what's going on over there and it does make us look very bad and, and of course it makes him look very bad and although i don't think he's entirely to blame he is the president right now and so he is his poll numbers are way down into the like low 40s and there's a cbs poll that found most americans no longer see him as even competent and that's a it's a that's a, a pretty big statement there. And I've always thought, I think it's clear that although the, anti, the Antichrist comes from the West, and I've always thought that he would not be in power at the time of the rapture because it seems like he's an 11th of, there's 10 leaders that come to power towards the, either right before the tribulation period or during the tribulation period. And then there's another little horn that comes up and removes three. And then so I've talked about that in many other episodes. But to sum it up, I think when the rapture happens, you have 10 leaders that are given the task of global governments, global governance, and another one comes along, and he removes three, and then the rest of them submit to the Antichrist eventually. Now, the timing of all of that, I don't know. I do know the Antichrist needs to be in position to make the tribulation agreement because he's the one who makes it. But to me, the way I've read it is that he would not be somebody who would be part of the initial 10, which would tell me that he's either a newcomer or a former political leader that is uh, that comes back on the scene. And, and so when the rapture happens, the reason he and the reason I think that is because he wouldn't be part of the first 10. And if he were a prominent political leader at the time of the rapture, then he certainly would be one of the initial 10. So that's the way I've always thought that. And he does come from the West. And of course, the most one of the top candidates is always whoever the president of the United States is because he's the most powerful man in the world. And I've never thought Biden would be the Antichrist because of, mainly because of his, his cognizance, not necessarily his competence, even though it's affected by his cognizance. But he's just, I don't think he's mentally capable of even leading the country, let alone, you know, the world. And people see it. This is not just, you know, the, the media doesn't report on this, especially during the election because they wanted him to win, basically. But now they're actually even turning on him now because of just how bad this has made him look. And so I, I although, so I do think it's clear that although the Antichrist does come from the West, when the removal of Christ's church occurs and the world is going to be looking for someone to lead, that it's not going to be President, it's not going to be Biden. Then I think it's just further, further solidified with what's going on in Afghanistan. And even to the point where the British Parliament held Biden in contempt for the way he withdrew the forces from Afghanistan. You know, I don't necessarily even agree with all that. I don't know how much you can put on him. You put some because he's the president. 
but the plan as far as I understand was Trump's to withdraw and I don't know how much you, know, you just can't be you know first off we're broke we're 30 trillion in debt <laughs> you know it's like I don't know at what point do you realize that how you balance between the only world superpower which probably not anymore and being able to went all around the world so anyway that was a huge huge news and of course since yesterday there was a terrorist attack killed 15 soldiers and hundreds of Afghanistan's it's just an incredible environment over there and this is more of the bad bad to worse you know it's kind of like what's next and again if they're birth pangs there will be something next all right, and earlier before, but so that's kind of the big thing. Obviously, Afghanistan's everybody's on the news all day, every day, and has been for a while, rightly so. But a couple other notes here. We did have a couple of major earthquakes, one in Alaska and one in Haiti. One in Haiti killed quite a few people, and uh, pretty devastating earthquakes. And, of course, the earthquakes are biblical indicators of the end of the age, as spoken of by Jesus Christ himself. And so those are and somebody read some of the earthquakes over the past three weeks and, and there's a whole lot of earthquake activity going on and the ones in I think the one in Alaska was an eight something and the one in Haiti was a seven point one or two and it the reason it killed because it was in a it was in a low the earthquake happened in a place where there, there was a population where I think the one in Alaska was in the ocean but regardless significant increase in earthquakes has been going on and these were two significant events since the last time I had a podcast uh, also the Palestinians received significant settlement permits in the West Bank that was pretty early on maybe two or three weeks ago and that's US driven and so you, you see definitely in this new government of Israel a a and I've, I've always thought and said this for for a long time now when Netanyahu was in office I thought he needed to be removed because he is not the personality that would make a deal that the one that sounds like the tribulation agreement I just never thought he was because I do think part of that agreement will be surrendering their military sovereignty and I don't see him I never saw him as that and of course he lost in this year finally after four elections and I'm, again, I'm not, when I say finally, I mean I would politically back Netanyahu, but but I, I kind of thought there needed to be a different government in play in order for the tribulation agreement to take place. And this one is the perfect one because you have basically two leaders: you have the Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, and you have Foreign Minister Yair Lapid. And they're you know both ones. And Lapid's going to be the Prime Minister after two years, so it's kind of an agreement there. And they've stabilized it, so it looks like it's going to be uh, continuing on for a while. That was kind of the biggest concern. It was such a fragile win and such a fragile coalition that they thought it wouldn't last long. But it looks like they've stabilized it. But you have also a couple things. You have you have Lapid and his. He's more a liberal, you know, and he would go along with the Palestinian issue and the two-state solution. And then you have Bennett, who's the religious conservative, and he is interested in the you know he would be somebody who i think would would agree to the third temple or push for the third temple um he's called for it before and he just seems like a coalition that would be much more likely to agree to the tribulation agreement than the netanyahu administration and you know you see that then it seems like this 
administration in Israel is much more, uh, I don't know what the word would be, submissive maybe, or or easier to take orders from the United States. It's a tough issue because the United States uh, is obviously very beneficial to Israel, and so Israel wants to continue to be friends with the United States, even though God is the one who ultimately will take care of Israel. And so I understand that they always want to, you know, make sure the United States is uh, on board with what's going on. And they try and come, to, you know, to agree on as much as they can. But this administration, this this government in Israel, seems to be way more eager to go along with pretty much anything the U.S. says. Where Netanyahu would fight back periodically, and of course he's famous for his. I think it was in 2015 where he gave a speech in. United States Congress while Obama was president is very critical of Obama and that damaged their relationship quite a bit but you see when everything I'm hearing is that the United States is pressuring Israel to do certain things and not to do certain things that would make the peace process go forward and while like I said I think this new government is much more available to do that or you know like I said they're willing to do things that Netanyahu wouldn't, and Netanyahu obviously was in leadership for the previous 12 years, so it's been a long time. And so, the, anyway, the Palestinians did receive some settlement permits, significant ones, and they and they made news about it because it was something significant. And so, again, this shows me that you have this, you know, these negotiations going on mainly privately that are really pushing forward to, again, the Palestinian issue, in my mind, is the linchpin of the tribulation agreement, so it has to be resolved. And it just seems like everything is just kind of like, the Israeli, the new Israeli coalition is much more interested in that issue and some other issues that I think Netanyahu was not, which I think will push the peace process forward. And so those settlement permits were at least Israel, big news in Israel. Uh, Turkey's Erdogan sees greater cooperation with Iran under Ibrahim Raisi. He made that statement a couple weeks ago, and Ibrahim Raisi is a, they call him, he has a nickname that's not good. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. The hangman of something, or he, he's, a, he's a murderer. It's hard to believe that a man like this can be in governing power in any nation, but I guess it shouldn't surprise us in Iran. But, and the reason this is interesting is because, uh, obviously, as we talked about earlier, is the Ezekiel 38-39 invasion is led primarily by three countries. There's much more than three countries. I think there's uh, I think nine or ten listed, but there may be even more than that. Um, but the primary, the big three that lead this invasion are Russia, Turkey, and Iran. And so anytime you see cooperation increasing between those three countries, and that's what you're seeing, it catches your catches your interest. And again, Turkey, uh, Erdogan saying that he sees greater, greater cooperation, I thought was significant enough to mention. And finally, the worldview of the people who make the giant, okay, yeah, the giant statue. Now you need to Google that thing. Again, I'm, I, I'm always cautious on some stuff because I don't want to make it sound like I don't know. Some things just seem to be a distraction more than it is helpful. But and so the giant statue is something I almost 
I have put it on the website because again there's no way to know whether this thing would be the uh, the uh, image of the beast that everybody has to bow down and worship but it does say in you know when the now let's see if I can find it real quick um, I think it's Revelation 14 Uh, let's see here. Um, actually, it's Revelation chapter 13. It's the false prophet comes up, and yeah, okay. Here's Revelation chapter 13 verses. All right, verse. I'll start with verse 14. And he deceives. Talking about the false prophet during the tribulation period. Who deceives those who dwell on the earth. That's another terminology for lost people. In the presence of men. Verse 14. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. And here we go. Telling them, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. I think it's speaking of the, I think, false death and resurrection of the Antichrist that made pe make people believe that he actually is God. In verse 15, and it was given him to him to give breath to the image of the beast. And we're talking about this image, not the beast himself. So that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do, do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so you have this gigantic image of the beast, but it actually has life to it or it appears to have life to it. Okay, now you just need to hear what I just said there and then Google the giant statue. And, what, and there's usually, they have a video there. Um, that goes through what they're going to do. And basically, as far as I understand it, by the end of this year, they're going to have 21 statues globally. And it's a large digital statue. And you can, I guess you can change it into whoever you want to. And they're, obviously, it's, 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 it's like active and it can talk and everything else. And they're gigantic. That's called the giant statue because they're giant. But you just need to, to just search that on YouTube or something to watch. It's like a 15-minute promo video that they have. It's spooky. And again, it, it absolutely looks like it would just very easily become the image of the beast that's talked about in Revelation chapter 13. Again, it's kind of crazy to talk about, but there is going to be an image that comes to life in the tribulation period that would that would that will happen that if you don't worship it it interacts it's active it's not just a, a you know a stone statue that doesn't move so that looks almost like it'd be really really suitable to of course it's not now there's no mark of the beast now there's no image of the beast now because we don't have a beast that but it takes place in the tribulation period but you can see something like this becoming very easily almost instantly be able to be transitioned into the image of the beast so I would encourage you to watch it, and also the worldview of the people. I I would listen to about a ten minute thing on it was the commercial that they were making for this thing, and the worldview of the people who make that giant statue is almost identical to what the Antichrist will very likely be. And the message was, "Be all you can be, so you can save the world from climate change." <laughs> I mean, just leftist nonsense, which I think will be the Antichrist. Um, theology or, or uh, worldview as well all right well that's what i have like i said mainly it was about afghanistan and i do think we're barreling towards the tribulation period 
and the Lord knows the day he's going to remove the church. But I always close the podcast with a 30-second biblical gospel presentation because if we're close and you're lost, you, 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 uh, the main thing about being saved is because you get your sins forgiven and you don't have to spend eternity in hell under God's righteous judgment due for your unforgiven sins. But also, there will, there will be a lot massive salvation in the tribulation period. I think that's very clear. But you know, ideally, first off, you can't you don't you can't determine when you get saved. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. You you hear the gospel, you're commanded to respond, and if you every time you res- fail to respond, it hardens your heart against the gospel, not making you more likely, but making you less likely to believe at a later point in time. And so, while I'm planting seeds to think that prayerfully God would use this to say, hey, I heard this and this actually came to pass, like a seven-year peace agreement involving Israel or, or whatnot. But that, um, and he would use that information to save people. But you don't, we don't know when our last day is anyway, regardless. Whether, if, I, if I'm correct and the tribulation period is imminent, which would make the removal of Christ's church imminent, if I'm right on the timing of it, then uh, even if that were so, we're, none of us are guaranteed our next day. Obviously, you just watch the news, COVID, Afghanistan, the terrorist attack, and earthquakes and everything else. Nobody knows their last day. Car wreck could cause you to meet God today, or whatever it would be. And so you just, we all, everybody needs to have their sins forgiven. And so here's the true biblical gospel presentation in 30 seconds. One day we will all face the one true and living holy God, and you need to have your sins forgiven and be reconciled to Him before that occurs. And that only happens biblically by repentance, and that is confessing your sinfulness and hopelessness from your heart to God and faith, believing the gospel. That is who Jesus Christ is, truly man and the one true God, and trusting only in His redemptive work, perfect life, death for sins, and resurrection for your salvation. So you believe who He is, you have to believe that he is God-man, he's a human being, and he's also the one true God, because he is. And you have, to, you have to trust in his perfect obedience, his death for sins, and his resurrection for your salvation. All of it. Nothing you bring. You, you come with empty, humble faith to the cross. And if you genuinely do this, you will be instantly and permanently covered by the righteousness of Christ, and he will have been treated as if he committed all of your past, present, and future sins. If you refuse the offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be judged according to your works. And unless you have lived without even one sin like Christ, will end in eternal conscious condemnation. So the reason salvation has to come through Christ is because you need perfect righteousness before God. And you don't have it, I don't have it, nobody has it. So that's the point of the gospel. That's why false religion, any works-based religion, whether it be relying on ceremonial works or whether it be relying on moral works will never save you it will only damn you unless you have been perfectly righteous which you have not been nor have i so that's the message of the gospel that today would be the day to receive christ and to believe in him and to cry out to god for mercy that you need and so i will close with that thank you again for tuning in and until next time may christ be known